Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Mickey Gray, the local lad that done well. Mickey, uh, welcome into the Ramble Meets studio. It's lovely to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for giving up your time. Um, what does football mean to you? Well, everything, if I'm brutally honest with you. I think, you know, from as young as I can remember, when I was in the streets, because that's what we used to do, um, older brothers, best friends, um, you'd find a ball from somewhere or mm. somebody would have one. Mm. And then it was the old jumpers for goalposts or you'd play yeah. in the middle of the roads and wait for the cars to go past and then you jump back onto it. I think like everybody used to do as a youngster. And then it was really um, strange to go from seven, eight, nine-year-old, 10, 11, 12, et cetera, you know, then starting to play with your friends on a Saturday and a Sunday and maybe the school team. Mm. And then you figure out after that, that, you know, when your parents are stood on the byline and you see the guys with the long coats going across to speak to you your re- parents. You remember that happening? Yeah, I can because um, we had a couple of good players in, in my team. Um one was Craig Russell, who used to obviously sign for Sunderland and then went moved on to Manchester City. I mean, he was built like a man when he was young, you know, 13, yeah. 14 years old. He had thighs like Roberto Carlos. He was yeah. absolutely massive, he was. <laughs> yeah. So you just seen these jackets walking around the outside of the pitches and then um, you, you eventually saw the badges of what teams they were, etc. And Sunderland was there. There was Newcastle, Man United, Liverpool. Was, there was so many. Um, and I think they cottoned on to us having a good team. Yeah. So they come and watch us. And that. Now I knew that Craig was was signed up with Sunderland at the time. Um, I had an opportunity, but um, I remember the scout, Jim Hagen from Manchester United. He mm. went across and started speaking to me, mum and dad. And I thought nothing of it. You know, How old were you at the time? 13? I was 13 years old, yeah. Okay. So then you you kind of finish the game, you get in the back of the car and you, your dad will just say, oh, Man United, there was a scout from Man United who just watched you and he took your name, took the address and the phone number, etc. 
And then you don't think anything of it because you're just a school kid. You want to go back out and play with your mates after you played your Sunday league game. And then I think the phone went because it was just house phones then. Yeah. And uh, mum and dad picked the phone up. They had a long conversation. Then they put me on the phone and it was like, right, do you want to go for some trials at Manchester United? At Chesley Street they were actually. Yeah. Um, did a couple of trials there and they picked, well, funny enough, they picked two players and it was, one of them was me and another guy was called Paul Goff. Um, talented midfield player but never eventually made it you know he didn't mm. really have the pace to play centre midfield wonderful left foot right foot mm. didn't really have the heart for it if I'm brutally honest right. with you but um, and then it was eventually got the school of excellence which Brian Pop Robson used to take mm. and that was once a week and it was absolutely it was just a, like a dream you know it was like so surreal were you were you single-minded enough as because we're led to believe that you have to be pretty single-minded at a young age to, to go on and achieve what you've achieved. I mean, you know, and it's not insignificant what you've achieved. You're an international football player and you played in the Premier League, which is as high as it gets. Do, do you feel like at the time you were aware of what was happening or were you just a kid enjoying yourself? Well, the, the crazy thing about it is, right, so, if, I, I mean, I'm talking about playing football in the streets there, but then when you start playing for your school and your, your Saturday and your Sunday league stuff... Will you stand out better than everyone yeah, else? Yeah, that, that's that's when you think, okay. you know, I'm, I'm better than these. Okay. I know I'm better than these, but I'm not going to say that because I'm 13 years yeah. old. You know, you'll end up fighting on the football field yeah. or something. But yeah. you know you've got something. Yeah. And I think everybody around you knows you've got something. And then it's the old, oh, I'm the best player at the school or he's the best player at the school, yeah. etc. and everything. And then, you know, when you start to see the people watching you, you know you've got something, but you don't really know how good you are because... You know, if I go back to the Man United days, which was my first time as a, you know, signed for a football club, mm. um, 13, 14 years old, getting on a train from Sunderland, you know, all the way down to Manchester. And then I got there mm. and it's Because like, they decided to take you on basically and you would live in digs there and be part of the academy exactly, there. And, exactly. and give some of our, for some of our young listeners, give us an idea of the, some of the kids you were with when you were taken on by Man United. Okay. So, I mean, I think the first one I've got to start with is Ryan Wilson, which... I think everybody knows as Ryan Giggs, yeah. but that was his name when he was a young kid. Yeah. But um, I mean, as soon as I walked through the door at Man United, they were already talking about him. Yeah. It was just I yeah. mean, absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, Adrian Doherty, I think we've had a conversation about yeah. him before, haven't we? I mean, oh, what a so, player. So Adrian Doherty is subject of a book called Forever Young by, I think, Ollie Kay. Um, and he is a great lost talent mm. um, who never... Sadly, had a tragic end to his That's life, right, his young yeah. life, but never quite fulfilled his potential as a footballer. And there's a, I think there's a tendency to kind of mythologise what people could have been. But some people would say that he was as good as Ryan Giggs oh, at the time. Is, is that is that fair? Because you would have seen him first first hand every day. So you you would say he was amazing. Without a doubt. I mean, he was right wing and I was left back, so I knew how good he was. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. And people looked at Ryan. I mean, there was other people there. You know, there was a young kid called Raphael Burke, who, you know, another one they were talking about. Nick Barmby was there. Mm. Um, everybody. It was Manchester United at the time under Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. And um, so the best of the best. You know, it was 11 v 11. And if mm. you weren't up for it, you, you got found out. Mm. So the first time I played, you know, I, I don't. I think Adrian was a year older than me, but he was actually involved in the game. But I played left back. And I remember Brian Kidd, Brian Kidd turned around to me and he said, um, he said, right, where are you playing? I said, left back. He went, okay, so Ryan's going to play in front of you. He went, he said, when you get the ball, just give it to him. He went, if there's three players around him, it doesn't matter, just give him the ball. Right. He went, he says, that's your job. So I was like, okay. Yeah. And I like to get forward. I like to bomb forward and everything. But then I soon realised after what, probably five minutes of giving Ryan the ball two or three times, yeah. I, was, I was just like, you're gobsmacked. I was like, you, know, you can't do that at your age. You cannot do it at your age. So you went just... from being brilliant at your school and by, by, by far the best player to seeing players around you going, my God, we've got 
we've got some players here and this is a different yeah. level entirely. Uh, absolutely. And that's it. It's like, right, well, if, if that's how good I've got to be, I don't know if I'm good enough. Right. And that's the big problem that you've got, at, even at the age of 13 years old. And when I saw Ryan and I saw a few of the players, I mean, David Beckham was in the year below me, uh, but he yeah. was actually in my digs. Uh, but all, I was with that generation that came through and broke into into the first team eventually. Um, but it was just like, everything about it was just so special to me. Because, yeah. I mean, people think I'm a big Sunderland fan, which I am, you know, it's it's my hometown. And yeah. obviously that's where I played for a long, long time. And, and that was the stadium that I used to go to was Roker Park to watch them play. But my wall was Man United. Right. All over my wall was Brian Robson, Jesper Olsen, Arthur Alberston, Mark yeah. Hughes. That were the type of players that were on my uh, on my wall. Yeah. So when I got the opportunity to go to Man United, it was like that was the dream for me. Mm. And although it only lasted like two and a half, three years, I got to the the point where all these, even the the, the year below me, I knew how good they were, mm. and I was thinking, am I actually going to be good enough? So if you'd come along at a different time. You think you'd have stayed at United a bit longer? If I could have stayed at Man United a little bit longer, knowing that that wasn't in front of me, mm. Ryan Wilson or Ryan Giggs, who was playing left wing, because that was where I used to play, but they played me left back in this in this mm. game. Um, I probably would have stayed there. So was it your decision to move on? Yeah, it was my decision. So it was a massive decision at the time to say, do you know what? I how might that, actually stay here. That was it. Was it was really really big because how, how did that manifest itself? You just decided one day that actually my future lies elsewhere because to have the best chance of having a career I'd need to be away from here or did someone come and give you some advice or how does it how did it work at that time um, well I spoke to the people at Man United you know the coaches there etc and, and obviously Jim Hagen who was a scout who I mentioned before about um, you know you know am I good enough do you think I'm actually going to make it at Manchester United you know I've got to try and believe in myself here and these yeah. are the kind of questions I actually asked myself when I was 14 15 years old it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy yeah, it young. Was, it was honestly, and then there was no agents at that time. You know, you didn't have an agent. I think there's a lot of young kids now who've got agents way too young for me, but I had to make these decisions. You know, you speak to your parents, right? What do you think? And they gave me the option, said, look, we'll leave it open for you, but why don't you go and try other clubs? And they helped me out with that. You know, I went to Ipswich, I went to Newcastle, oh, you, you name it. I went everywhere. And the last one, funny enough, was Sunderland. Hmm. Um, How old were you at this point? I was 15. Okay. And, uh, I kind of left school early. I, you know, I, I never used to like school, so I never used to go. And I think the school knew that anyway. And they're right. saying, look, you know what you're going to be and everything. It's just find out where you want to be. Did you have any doubt in your mind that you were going to be a professional football player uh, somewhere? By the age of 14, I think I, I knew somewhere or somebody was going to take me. Yeah. It was just a big decision of where I wanted to be. And then right. I, Sunderland called me up and said, look, you know, we've got a game this Saturday. Do you want to actually come and play for, you know, we used to be B team and A team. Mm-hmm. And um, I went and played for the uh, for the B team. And had a really good game. And there was like, Dennis Smith was there, was the manager at the time. And he was like, whoa, right, okay. We need to speak to him straight after the game. Mm. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, mum and dad were funny enough, they were at the game. And so they took us in a little room and just said, look, we like what we see. We actually want to sign you on. Mm. And I was, this is another crazy thing. I was, I was closer to signing for Newcastle. Right. Because at that age, they offered me a better contract than what Sunderland did. Right. They offered me, because this is what they used to do in those days. So it was a two-year apprenticeship and then a two-year pro. Mm. But some clubs did it and some some other clubs didn't it. But they also offered me a figure on top of that as well. Mm. Uh, and being from where I was from at the time, you know, we, we, we didn't really have nothing. Yeah. And it was a big figure. Yeah. You know, like maybe could have even paid off my parents' mortgage. Mm. So I, I said to like my parents at the time, I was like, what should I do? I don't really want to play for Newcastle. Yeah, honestly, it's so crazy. And you were how old at this time? Sixteen years old. Fifteen. Fifteen. I was still. fifteen years old. Yeah. 
And then um, I'd, I'd had the trial at Sunderland and they came back and only offered me a two-year apprenticeship. Mm. And I said, well, look, I have to tell you, this is what Newcastle have offered me. Mm. Um, and I made the bold decision of, and this is, again, this is crazy. And I just went, I said, you know what? I want to actually prove that I deserve a professional contract. Mm. I said, so I'm going to take the two-year apprenticeship. Mm. So I was safe for four years. I knew what I was going to be doing if I'd signed for Newcastle. I knew what signing on fee I was going to be having. Mm. And I knew what I'd be earning every single week, which was 36 quid or something mm. like that. But at the time, you know, it was absolutely incredible. And then um, I signed for Sunderland. I said, right, okay, I'm going to do the two years apprenticeship. And I knew as soon as I started, I got off to a really good start. I knew how fit I was anyway. You know, when we do pre-season, all the running, then the games obviously came around and you're playing certain players, et cetera, every other week. And um, I just hit it off. Are you pl- are you training with the first team at this point? No, I wasn't. I w- it took me a year. Mm. I trained, obviously, with the youth team and then I got into my second year of my apprenticeship. And I'll probably say the, the second half of that second year, then the manager used to say, right, you need to come and train with the first team. And it was for little five-a-sides. And there was so much envy and jealousy and everything where, you know, 50-50 tackles, you know, they wouldn't care it was me. You know, mm. being a young lad and everything, they'd go right through you. It was just so physical. I was like, I'm not ready for this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a slight lad anyway. Mm. Um, but I had a little bit of ability and a little bit of a pace where I could get away from people, you know, in little short-sided games and stuff like that. And you go, right, if this is what it's all about, I've got to toughen up. And you've got to do it in an instant. Mm. If you start to show fear in front of somebody who's maybe in your position, not that you're going to play, you know, you're mm. still 16 years old, they've won. They've mm. beat you. Mm. And if you show the fear to the manager or the coaches that, you know, you're limping away from a challenge or you stay on the ground and you start moaning and rolling around, Evan, forget it. In mm. those days, when I was playing, when I was coming through, that's what it was all about. The physicality was was more than the ability, if you like. Mm. Um, how much, How much? if you could break it down, because I've spoken to... Matt Taylor, who I know you know as, mm. as part of this series, and I've also spoken to some to other players who are who you would term as a real kind of talented players. I remember speaking to Dimitar Berbatov, and he said, "Oh, he didn't really have to work that hard to be a professional footballer mm. because of his ability." But Matt Taylor said, "Really, it was, in his opinion, eighty-five percent hard work." I mean, wh- where do you come down on on that in that argument? For you, was it more about hard work or more about the talent you were uh, born no, with? No, I have to agree. I think you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a percentage about hard work, but I think you know, because. Before you sign for somebody, you know you know the ability's there. This is why you got the opportunity in the first place. Mm. So I think when you get there, what the culture shock is going from playing in the street with your mates to then uh, training every single day professionally, you know, massages, looking after yourself properly, then getting to a Saturday mm. and still wanting to be the best. Mm. But that hard work, you cannot do it without the hard work. Did you have to sacrifice going out with your pals and all that kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. And, you, and you were happy to do that? Yeah, that, that didn't bother me, to be honest with you. I mean, I was still living at home, so it was always the same mates. You know, if I wanted to go and knock around the streets like we used to do after I'd finished training and have a couple of hours before, you know, I went back to home and say nine, ten o'clock. But then I went home and I was in bed. If there was a football match on, I would have watched it. You know, again, in them days, there wasn't too many football but matches. But you were crazy on. about football. Yeah, I loved it. You know, and you were a sensible boy at that time, at that age. School-wise, no. Mm. I, I said before, I, I didn't enjoy school at all. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd walk to school with a ball. Right. And, you know, you keep ups all the way to school if you possibly can. Then you'd ha- you put it away and then you'd do your lessons mm. and then I'd pick the ball up and then I'd do exactly the same on the way home. Mm. And that was every single day. You saw a garage, you were playing against a garage. Right. You'd seen a wall. It, that, that, that was it. If you had a ball, I was happy. And uh, most of me mates, you know, they'd still join in and enjoy it. But, like, I could tell, 
you know, I said before, you know, there was two or three people. Clive Mendonca went to my school. David mm. Rush, who played for Sunderland, went to my school. A bit on Clive Mendonca later, I expect. I thought there might be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, that, but that what, was why, it. why do you think, it's a bit of an abstract question, but I mean, why do you think you were born good at football? I mean, are your parents particularly sporty or is there any footballers in the family or anything like that? My dad was decent, apparently. Yeah. But again, you know, it was it was more down to the background with my dad. Mm. Um, you know, difficult background. So nothing really came from that, to be honest with you. And then my brother, who's, what, three years older than me, he had the opportunity to go to Ipswich. Right. Um, he was quick. He was a right winger. Mm. Um, so more so watching him and then playing football in the streets and, and on the football fields, if you could get on them in the school mm. fields. And then watching what he was doing, mm. three years older than me, and going right, okay, if he if he can do that, then I've got to learn something, or I've got to do something better myself. But he didn't, he didn't have a career. Is, no, is, no, is no. His son, his son's a player, is he? Are you your nephew's a player, isn't he? No, my nephew's a player. Yeah, yeah. okay, that's or right. Both okay. our nephews. Obviously. Okay, but yeah, he's yeah he's been around. You know, he's at Hartlepool, and he's he's had right. a couple of non-league. So you just think you just born with it, and and that, and that's that. Yeah, but it, I mean that was it. You know, I, I woke up on my birthday morning. There was a ball. Mm. wrapped up I woke up on Christmas morning there was a ball wrapped up mm. it was basically all we had mm. um, so you made the most of it mm. so you're you quite single minded with that yeah pretty much yeah I mean there was I mean I like other sports you know if, if anything on the television I would watch ten, the tennis you know I'd watch whatever else was on there mm. but the main priority was just football if I could see it and you broke into the first team at Sunderland pretty early on as well, right? 18, mm. just 18? Just 18, yeah. 92, 93? Yeah. And do you, what do you remember of your debut for your hometown club? Must have been a pretty big deal. Incredible. Do uh, you actually remember it? Yeah, I can. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd travelled away a couple, of, a couple of weeks before it. We played uh, Bristol Rovers and um, I travelled away and I thought, I've got half a chance of getting involved here. You know, mm. you, you start to get a little bit giddy and a little bit nervous and the game was away from home. And it was a bit of a wet and windy day. Um, played them in late afternoon. We'd stayed down. We'd had a couple of games. Um, I think we actually played Bristol City as well. Right. That was why we stayed down. So I'd been a part of the squad. I was on the bus. That was the first time it had ever happened to me. And then two weeks later, um, I think Dennis Smith had he'd actually got the sack. Right. And Malcolm Crosby t- took over um, as caretaker manager. And we played Derby County away. And again, got named in the squad. Travel down in the squad. Nobody said anything to me. Right. You know, he sat on the coach and I, I'm making the teas. You know, somebody <laughs> asked me to make a cup of tea and I'm sat at the front. I wasn't really getting involved in any of the conversation. You're the only one of your age group who got picked. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. At the time. But then eventually, you know, we had Craig Russell who came through and then Martin Smith who uh, who broke in, I think, you know, the season after me or late in that season. So the three of us were really good pals anyway. Mm. So it was really good to, you know, to, to get them on the coach and travel away. But it was Derby County away, which we won one nil. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting my first pay packet in this little brown envelope. And my, mine at the time was 76 quid or something. I used right. to get a little bit more than everybody else. And then um, I got my first pay, which was uh, we won against Derby. I came on at half time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we played at South End. I won, we, at half time, I came on again. We won 1 0. And then my home debut was against um, Barnsley. Mm-hmm. And I scored after a minute mm-hmm. or a minute and 20 seconds or something like mm-hmm. that with my right foot. <laughs> And uh, I got the pay packet and I cannot remember how much was in it, but let's just, for instance, say like six, seven hundred quid. Right. And you know, when you you get something and you think, well, that's a bit heavier than normal. Yeah. And then me being a, you know, a little toe rag and having nothing, being grown up, you know, yeah. the same tracksuit for the, what, five years or something yeah. like that, you <laughs> yeah. know, the same trainers, etc. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, have, have, some, have they given me somebody else's? Right. Should I say something? Yeah. 
But me going in my head, you know, the devil on the other shoulder going, don't say a word. Keep it. Just put it in your pocket yeah. and go home. Yeah. And it was unreal. And yeah. I, was, I took it home and I was like, man, look what I've got. I went, I don't know if it's mine or not, but like they've gave it me and it's got my name on the envelope. Yeah. It was like... It's mad. I was like, wow. It's a world away from a kid of that age now playing football oh, at the top level, yeah? It was amazing. I mean, that, that what, f- let's say 500 odd quid or something like that, yeah. right? It's probably like 50 grand now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So as a kid at that age playing for your hometown team, you're saying you had absolutely no, other than your family, of course, you had no real sort of support network around you in the club. Like, you're going to be making your debut. We understand you're going to feel very nervous. This is important to you. It's a big deal. Yeah. They, but that's strange because it's, it's in their interest for you to make a success of this as well, well right? I think, I think what they try and do is turn you into a man. Right. Straight away. And what do you think about that, looking back on well, it Well, because that's what I was brought up with. I didn't mind it. You know, mm. that was the way it was. Mm. You know, I've seen younger players get their opportunity, you know, maybe a couple of years older than me. And the same was happened to them. You know, I wasn't allowed in the first team dressing room unless I got invited in there. Mm. It was it was reserves, and then I had to get into reserves to actually change with a reserve team, mm. or it was you know you tra- you getting changed with the youth team, mm. and then it was still clean your boots, still do your jobs around mm. the, the. Well, we we got changed at Roker Park, and we used to travel to the training ground right. in a little minibus. Right, right. So right. everything was just proper old school, but because that was what I'd been brought up with, you didn't know any different. Really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, you look at like the modern day now. And those things that you just mentioned before, you know, psychologists, you know, they would tell you two days before you're in the first team, mm. look, this is what you've got to expect. Make sure you're prepared. Do you think Make you sure would have benefited from that? Um, some of it, yes. But I think some of it, no. Um, because I think you can, you can overkill the brain. I think mm. if you tell somebody two or three, if I'd have been told two or three days before I was making my debut, or I was going to be on the bench. I wouldn't have slept for three days. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't have, you know, okay. because like, it's your dream to make your debut. Yeah. And it's this, I mean, people say playing for England or, you know, moving to a great club or winning a trophy and everything. I, 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 I probably bet that all youngsters who, who make their debut, and if you say, what is, what's your dream as a kid? Mm. M- mine was making my debut. Mm. You know, not winning uh, the championship to, to jump in at the, uh, into the Premier League or mm. playing for England, which mm. are special things. Yeah, yeah. But making your debut, there's, there's no other feeling like it. And when you were told at half-time in the dressing room you were coming on for the second half... Nervous as hell. Can you remember that, being, being, being yeah. told that? Yeah, and you nervous could, as hell. You just tried to keep a straight face and try and just focus. Yeah. And, the, and the weird thing is, and I, I don't know if this is more for forward players or not, maybe they can just go out and play with a little bit of freedom, but as a defender, mm. you know, we're hanging on to a one-goal lead. We're playing Derby County, a really good side. And I'm thinking, I've got to keep a clean sheet here. Who are you up against on the right? Um, oh, that is a good one. It, it might have been Pembridge, actually. Mark Pembridge? Yeah. Okay. Um, I know he used to drift left and right, but it might actually have been him. What did you think of the level? Was it like, God, oh, this is mad? Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, they're all men. You know, as yeah. I said before, I'm quite slight. You know, I've got yeah. no weight and I never really have. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm still the same weight now. I'm 44 than I was when I was 17. Yeah. So, um, you know, what you see is what you get. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, well, this Pembridge, you know, I'm, I mean, I don't know what he weighs, but he's a big, thick set lad and yeah. he's running at me and I'm thinking, don't make a mistake. Yeah. But what what's good is, you know, the experienced players, I mean, we had, um, then Kevin Ball was in the squad at the time. I mm. think, um, I'm not too sure if Terry Butcher actually played in that game. I think he might have done, to be honest with you. But we had people like that. And just They basically said to me, as I'm going onto the pitch, you've got here because you're good enough. 
So they were, they were actually very helpful. They yeah. weren't fear for their own places or anything like that. They were very helpful. No, they were brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And I think, you know, if you did make a mistake or you give the ball away, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the kick up the backside that maybe you would have got, you know, two years into your career. Hmm. You know, it was like unlucky next time, you know, when it yeah. comes to you, blah, blah. And they, they, they helped out like nobody's business. Hmm. I got through 40 minutes. I mean, I blinked and it was finished. Right. So to try and say, do you remember the 45 minutes? Hmm. Absolutely not. No. But I remember coming on for half time being in that dressing room and then the manager saying to me, right, get yourself stripped and ready. And that's the moment where you go, oh my God, am I, 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 am I ready for this? Am yeah. I not ready for this? Hmm. Well, the only time's going to tell. When you're I about to find out. out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's, you're in the lion's den, to be mm. honest with you. And then the supporters there, and because you're a young lad... The supporters love the fact that you're an academy player exactly, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So they see you come out, and every time you did something well, if, whether it was a tackle, a header, or something where you played a ball down the line, etc., there was a massive cheer, and I could hear it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's relaxed me. Like, you would not believe. Have you always been a player that's been able... Were you always a player who, who would pick up on the crowd because a lot of players zone it out don't they and try not to concern themselves uh, when, you, when you're younger I think of course you hear the cheers Yeah, the jeers don't really come as much because like I said before they give you a little bit of leeway mm. but I think when you get to the age of 19, 20, 21 mm. when you're established and you start making mistakes yes you hear a little jeer here there, and then when you're picking the ball up to take a throw in or, or a corner or something and if you're having a bad game they let you know about it yeah, yeah. And then again, you've got to be ready for it. How do I react to that? Do I turn around or do I give them it back? Or do I just keep concentrating on what I'm doing? What's the worst you've experienced? Um, Millwall? Mill, at the old den. Yeah. Um, coins getting thrown. I was because I was sub. Yeah. Coins getting thrown at me. Um, <laughs> swear words like nobody's business. Right. That was pretty frightening. And you were young at the time. Yeah, I was well, 18, I think. Mm. 17, 18 or 19. Um, and that was scary because as you come out the tunnel it was caged Yeah. so you, all the fans are pulling it and banging against it and obviously well, I don't know if they were spitting I didn't really look to be honest <laughs> it was head down and getting through it Yeah. that was really bad but I also played at um, Cardiff Soul Ground mm. um, I think I was at, Park yeah I mm. think I was at Leeds um, maybe Wolves it was one of the two I was at and you're talking 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds shouting things that I've never, wow. I've never heard in my life. Yeah, You know, they might have come out of my mouth, you know, when I was 17, 18, 19. But yeah. like this, and I'm like, oh my God. So it does affect you then? Yeah, individually. You know, and I think being a, a fullback or a left winger, which I was for obviously most of my career, you know, because I'm taking throw-ins and corners, that you get it more so then. If I'm playing the game, mm. didn't affect me whatsoever. You know, you'd hear a big cheer if I'm doing an overlap and run, which was like my game. When mm. Me and Alan Johnson are left-hand side at Sunderland. No, it mm. just it just happened. We mm. didn't work on it, mm. but it just clicked. But you could hear a massive cheer because they knew something was coming. Mm. So, yeah, not an individual, but as a crowd, you knew when they were up for it. And so fast forward a couple of years or a few years and you were able to... Well, you were a regular starter by the sort of mid-90s and you played in the left as Sunderland won Division 1 and got mm. promoted into the Premier League. We talked a bit about the step up in standard to make your debut. Can you remember stepping up into the Premier League and thinking, well, this is a different level entirely? Yeah, without a doubt. Hmm. I mean, the debut and... Um... I'm sure it was that year when we played against Nottingham Forest and I scored the first goal ever in the Premier League for a Sunderland player. Mm. So I'm in the record books for forever. Can't take that away from you, mate. Can't take that away from me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and we won the game. So that was like, right, okay, I'll have I'll have some more of this. You know, you're going to play at Nottingham Forest, and then obviously, like you know, you travel around the country at Old Trafford, etc. Did it feel much faster? Like, yeah, but you, you just, the the quality was just so much different. You know, yeah. you felt, this sounds crazy, but you get more time in the Premier League. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, because the, the quality, you've got to think quicker. You know, did, you feel that, to... did you feel out of place or did you feel like you could do no, it? No, no, I was, I was loving it. And every step you take higher and higher, the better teams that you played against, you know, you want to mm. raise your game. And then you you don't want to get yourself in that comfort zone. You always want to keep improving, improving, improving. Mm. And of course you have lulls, you know, you have ups and downs and everything, you know, you go through a, a period where you maybe don't win for seven or eight games. And then um, your confidence, you know, is so low. Every time the ball comes to you, you can't wait to get rid of it. And Does then that really to, even affect even the top players? Without a doubt. You've got to overcome it like nobody's business. And this is why I think, you know, some people always turn around and say, oh, yeah, he's not had the best of games, but he worked his socks off. Mm. And you've got to, that's the only way to get through it. You've got to get through that brick wall. What kind of techniques would you use to try and get your confidence back? Or is it just you have to just wait and ride it out and get something positive happening and then you're you, away again? You wait for something good to happen. And if <laughs> yeah. it happens, then it's like, right, okay, I can do something else now. Do you think even the very best players are affected yeah. by that? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you, if you look at players now, you know, we probably we, we probably have a conversation off air, if you like, and go, wow, what a top player he is. But mm. he had five or six games in January mm. and he was absolutely hopeless. Mm. And that's the reason why, you know, it just, it's like a knock-on effect. You have mm. one poor game, the next one's a poor game after that. Then you, like a centre-forward, for instance, if you haven't scored for three or four games, you're a bad player. Mm. Or you thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I've not scored here for four games. Mm. I've got to make sure I've got a score today. And then you try that little bit harder. Did you read the reports when you were having a bad game? Did you read the newspaper? No. Never? No, honestly, I, I didn't like to what do What about if you knew you played well? You scored a goal? Every single week. Because <laughs> you, like, you, you knew when you were looking in the paper, you knew it was going to be a seven or an eight. Because well, that's the way they marked it. I think yeah. they still do it now, but you don't really see it as much, to be honest. But it was the local papers. Mm. And it was. It was like, right, I've I, I played well today. I know I have. Mm. I've got a seven or an eight. Mm. Or it's man of the match. I think people Definitely listening will, will think it interesting that top players care about that. Isn't it mad? You know, when you yeah. when, when you think it's about... some guy, it's some probably some <laughs> in your eyes, it'll be some overweight old guy yeah. who's smoking twenty a day and thinks he's got a deadline, so he's got to put it as quick as he can. But to players, they they really did worry about it. Oh, would there be talk about it in the dressing room? Well, if I can, uh, well, leapfrog for another fifteen years forward in my career, Robbie Savage when I was at Blackburn. Hmm. would come into work and we were really close with the local guy who used to put the marks into the papers Right, Robbie Savage would collar him after every home game on a Saturday hmm. played well average or great hmm. and go you make sure I don't get less than a 7 or 8 or none of them players in that dressing room are going to talk to you and give you any interviews and I'm <laughs> definitely not going to and that was that was what it was like it was like I really don't think many people listening Mickey will be surprised to hear that Robbie <laughs> was capable of that <laughs> oh, no, I, love, I love him to bits I know you do I, I, I hated him when I before he became a teammate, mm. I couldn't stand him. No, but um, I, I don't know what it was. We just had this clash mm. with our personalities where we just rubbed each other the right way. Mm. But you, he's probably the kind of guy you'd want in your dressing room. Oh, rather he's than he's amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. Let's take a quick break, and um, after we come back, we'll talk a bit more about your your career, Mickey. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills, or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Welcome back to this episode of Ramble Meets with Mickey Gray, great footballer and a great man. I won't embarrass you by saying that, mate. <laughs> um, we, we we left it earlier talking a bit about Robbie Savage, but mostly talking about you playing in the Premier League. Now, of course, we know that Sunderland's stay in the Premier League on that occasion didn't last an awful long time. Mm-hmm. And as a as a kid from the area, and how badly did it affect you when you, you guys are relegated? Because one of the things I found surprising moving into working with players and ex-players and stuff. It's just how much they do actually care because if you if you read the newspapers and you read the media and you, you would be forgiven for thinking that players, it's not bothered, they're not bothered, it's just a job for them. And, and the occasional thing like Alan Smith when Leeds got relegated. or mm. But every every single person I've met who's played the game genuinely does care. So for you, presumably it was a huge, huge blow to, to, to be relegated. I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. We'd... Um... I think we we knew what type of season it was going to be. Um, but the clever thing with managers is, you know, they try and distract you from what's in front of you. And, I, you know, as I mentioned, you know, you can go five or six games in the Premier League without having a point. Mm. And it's, yeah. then it's up to the manager to work his magic mm. and the coaches around you to keep the, the place really happy. You know, all right, shall I bring them into training today or should I take them paintballing or should I take them go-karting or shall I just take them on a night out? Because mm. that's what we used to do. Mm. And, um, yeah, we got to the end of the season. I think we we played at uh, Wimbledon. Well, I think that was the last time. This is 96, 97. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, we played Wimbledon and um, we knew we needed, I think we needed to win. And they'd got an early goal. Um, what was the centre forward, left footer guy? Um, I can't remember his name. It was Gale. Marcus, Marcus Gale. Gale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think he scored mm-hmm. the goal. Um, can't remember what the, what the score was when we finished. I know we didn't obviously get enough, what we needed, whether it was a draw or a win. And uh, you, you basically, because it hadn't happened to me before, it was like, wow, like mm. what happens now? Probably the first real disappointment in your career, right? Yeah, I mean, you get left out a couple of times, but you, you're a young lad. But you generally, know, you're on upward trajectory yeah, to that absolutely, point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But I, I just had this feeling, and this is a crazy thing to say, but that, that squad of players that we had, I kind of knew we weren't good enough. Do you know, uh, You probably maybe you don't know this, but the top scorer for Sunderland that season in the Premier League? Me. And that's Craig Russell and Paul Stewart. Four. Four. Yeah. Four goals. Next, the following season, Kevin Phillips, 29 league goals. Four goals. is. I, I thought it was wrong when I first saw that. <laughs> it's so few. Yeah. And you got 40 points. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. That's why we knew we had a chance on the final day. Mm. Um, so we'd went there and I mean... The, you, might you were, you were really it. upset, were you? you were, I was. I was. I was absolutely devastated. Yeah. You know. I mean, we turned up and we, we actually, you know, we'd done everything right as you do, and it was like, right, it's all down to this one game. Come out the dressing room, and it might as well have been Roker Park, the stadium alight. I mm. mean, there was just thousands of Sunderland supporters in there. How mm. they got in, I don't know. How mm. many tickets they gave them? It was just. It was like a home game. Right. It was pretty scary. Um. So you obviously thinking to yourself, right? Okay, I don't want to let myself down. I don't want to let teammates down. But this lot can't let them down. No, you got to do it. Yeah. And it was just uproar throughout did, the whole of the game. Did you have a good game? Um, I don't think, do you know what? I, I don't actually know. It was a game that I wasn't bothered if I did or I didn't. Right. I just, just wanted, to, wanted win. to win. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. Were you satisfied that everyone else in the team wanted to win enough? Yeah, I, I think when you get to that position, I mean, you said, you know, that, that season was always going to be a hard one. Um, you know, trying to establish yourself in the Premier League is, yeah. is, is difficult anyway. But we knew we had um, a good manager in charge. You know, he, he kept everything bubbly. You know, did we get up a season too early? I know a lot of people have said that. We probably did, but, you know, who cares? No, we wanted, you're not going to turn it down, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think everybody give everything throughout the whole of that season. We might have had injuries throughout, you know, as, as other teams did. You know, you know, they balance themselves out. But getting to the last day of the season and knowing that he still had a chance. Yeah. And You'd have taken that himself, at the start, given the games at Wimbledon away. Doubt. Yeah, exactly. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you say to yourself, right, everything on the line. That's it. I'm I'm not coming off this pitch if I'm if I'm not crawling. I'm giving everything that I've got. Yeah. And then you get the end of the game, and obviously you're disappointed, and you're just standing around. To be honest with you, and then it's like you know you applaud the supporters and thanking them for this the season for supporting you throughout. And then it's back to the dressing room, and it was just I suppose a lot of every player would say this who you know has disappointments. You know, it's just silent. Mm. and you're in there everybody's heads down you know you see people loosening the laces taking their boots off and shin pads and then it's you're basically waiting for your coach or your manager just to say something mm. to trigger it off right where did it all go wrong um, look we might have been able to do something at the turn of year a little bit better so I'll take the blame for that but you've got to look at yourselves guys you know did you do enough is that oh, what you said enough? I think it was along them lines yeah. I mean um, Pete Reid was brilliant Absolutely brilliant for my career, not just for mine, you know, for a lot of players at Sunderland. I mean, you mentioned Kevin Phillips before. Mm. Those type of players, he, he was amazing. Mm. He's just he, give you belief, give you confidence. Yeah, but it was more than that. You know, it was it was away from the football. Mm. You know, you, you could pick the phone up. What are you doing? Right, um, right. I'm going to get all the lads in tomorrow. We're going to go for a meal together. Mm. Everybody's coming. If you don't come, you're getting fined and everything. But a laugh and a joke around training, Mondays, Tuesdays. Yeah. Then the serious business was Wednesdays, Thursdays, Friday, unless yeah. you had a day off. And then match days. He just said the right thing every week. Right. And keep going back to the old adage, but you wanted to run through brick walls for him. What's the coach like back up to Sunderland after that kind of relegation? Uh, well, funny enough, we had to stay off at a supporters club. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, Who planned that? That's a terrible bit of planning. I know. Well, they yeah. have they have a, a London support supporters branch, and we used to do it. You know, where they would play Tottenham or anyway, mm. any time we were down in London, 
All of you would go? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it was the coach. So we'd go from whichever ground we were playing at, you'd go to the supporters branch, you'd spend an hour, a couple of hours with him, you know, you'd have a drink with him, whether you'd, again, won, lost a draw, and it was like, oh, I'm really sorry, you know. Did you enjoy that kind of thing? Yeah, 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 because I think what you forget is, you know, when you come out of the northeast, there's other places <laughs> where there's people support Sunderland. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a pretty compact place. It's a goldfish bowl. Yeah. And especially when you live there and you're, you, you know, you're being brought up there, you pretty mm. much know everybody, to be honest with you. Yeah. So when you come out and you see London and you see different supporters and everything, it just gives something back to them. Yeah. And I think the appreciation's there from both sides. Mm. You know, the manager would go up and do his speech and our captain, probably Kevin Ball at the time, would, would have probably have a few words and A, another. And it was a couple of pints back on the coach and then it was a journey home. A few more beers on the bus. So it must have been like cards. a morgue after that game. It was awful. Yeah, but I think that's where the great managers that you work under will turn around to you and, you know, they'll get in the coach and they'll go, listen, lads, thanks for the effort you've given me all season. I know it wasn't enough, unfortunately, but right, there's a crate of beer. Mm. Get it at the back. Have a great time. Have a lovely summer, but make sure you're ready when you come back pre-season. Mm. I don't want anybody coming back overweight, which used to happen in those days. Yeah. Did it used to happen? It obviously never happened to you, but would it have happened quite a lot that you can remember? Yeah, we, we would have five, six, seven, maybe more than that, actually. They'd all come back overweight. How about, use, but how about overweight by like an every stone, person's standards stone, or by an athlete? A stone overweight. Bloody hell. We'd have players in three months or two months. Yeah. Well, one of the players, I mean, I'm not, I'm not pointing them out here, but Don Goodman was one. Hmm. You know, as soon as the season finished, he used to switch off from football. Right. And uh, he'd come back to training and use pre season to get it all off again. But you'd yeah. always lived a life, would you? I'd always have a two week holiday. Yeah. But then I'd come back and it was the same thing. I'd be in the streets with my mate. Right having a laugh and a joke and right. then I'd go out and do what I wanted to do but then live your life whatever you wanted to do but I always used I used to train yeah. so when I was off on pre-season it was that two weeks off then you'd go back and I'd start running the streets and then you'd go on a football field and do the, the different runs of sprints etc what you needed to do but still knowing that I didn't want to be 100% fit going through the door on the first day of pre-season because you've got to get better through pre-season so right. I'd leave it a little bit. I wouldn't quite hit 100%. You know, I'd try and get myself up to 80%, let's, right. for instance, and then make up the other 20% when mm. I got into into the training ground. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of lads didn't do that. And the more that I played, the further down the line you went, they realised that they got left behind. Right. The ones who came back, you know, a half a stone heavier, a stone heavier, you know, the body fat went from, well, mine was like between 8 and 11 or something like that mm. you know the lads were coming back and it was 16 and 18 <laughs> percent and like to an average guy in the street you know if you did a, a body a body fat test you know you're talking they're probably 20 24 or mm. maybe you'd get play, uh, guys from the street will be 16 mm. so it was like a guy off the street bringing him in and going he's got to lose six percent of fat, body fat here in the space of four weeks do you think it still happens now that kind of thing no i don't um, you get programs, you get regimes, and I think most of the players stick to it now because yeah. the game. You never see like an overweight player at all now. Well, do you, you don't, do you? I mean, you see. Even at a lower level, you don't see it. No, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, these players know that if they leave it too long and they come back to pre season and they're not right because, you know, there's there's blood tests, there's body tests, there's fat tests, you know, there's, there's heart monitors, mm. there's everything. There's no hiding place. Mm. There just isn't. And that's why I said to you before, you know, I like some of it, but I don't like other parts of it. Mm. You know, I, I, th I think there's too many stats. I think, you know, there's this, this Prozone stuff that came out when I was playing. I think you can read too much into that. Mm. I think it's great for certain bits of information, 
you know, I was talking to you about, um, you know, 360 surround now that they've mm. got. You know, you, you actually put the goggles on and you look around and see how you've played throughout the, the 90 minutes. Yeah. Well, that's sometimes it's too much on. for that's me. Yeah, that. yeah, and that's yeah, every yeah. week and it yeah. sometimes can be twice a week mm. because you played two games. If you've made mistakes and you keep, you keep, keep watching it back, it's <laughs> yeah. like, well, actually, we need to living see a, Living a nightmare. Yeah, correct. Yeah. But, um, but speaking of living a nightmare, um, I want to talk about the following season to the relegation from the Premier League, Mickey, because it's that like it or not, and I presume you probably don't like it, um, that 98 playoff final is synonymous with you mm. and with Clive Mendonca for his hat-trick. And, and really, what was a crazy playoff final? I mean, <laughs> first of all, give us a bit of a flavour of what it was like to play in a game that had such high stakes, that was such a crazy affair. Well, I, I mean, it obviously it's a build-up throughout the season and, and, and we actually had a chance to finish in the top two spots. I think it came down to the last two or three games and we got pipped for it. Uh, we'd made a couple of mistakes, so we obviously dropped down into into the playoffs. Um, there was a bit of disappointment with that, first and foremost. Um, and then, obviously, you look at where you finish in the playoff positions and we knew that we, um, we, we got Sheffield United. Um, mm. I didn't actually play in the first game. I was suspended. I got sent off at West Bromwich Albion, I think it was. What was that for? Kick someone up the backside. Was it a fair red? Uh, probably, yeah. What would the 44-year-old Mickey Gray say to the kid? <laughs> no. You idiot. You? No, I'll do it again, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I kind of missed it and I thought, you know, if, if we don't get through the um, to the playoffs, I'm suspended for the beginning of the next season, which I didn't want. Mm. Um, but it, it worked out pretty well where I missed the last day of the season and then I missed the Sheffield United away game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then we took them back to the Stadium of Light. Best atmosphere as a Sunderland player I've ever played in. Mm. Ever. Right. It was just incredible. And then, you know, as you got through that, we did what we had to do and then it was pretty much we got ourselves to Wembley. But um, I think our problem was sometimes, and I look back and thought about it a few times, that it was more of an occasion for us. Right. So driving up to Wembley Way, you know, it's going down the whole to the hotel the day before. You know, we we pick, picked our suits out. You know, we we're all picking out sunglasses and things like that. Right. Now thinking back, I'm like, what are we doing? It's kind of a bit like when the Liverpool team yeah, got to the was, FA Cup final with the white it suits. It, it wasn't white suits, but um, <laughs> it was getting measured up for the suits and the shirt and tie. And Can I just say, if you were in that squad, you definitely would have been in the white suit. You'd have been <laughs> loving that. that wouldn't you? You'd have been that? loving that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have loved that. Yeah, I'd still be wearing it now. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Yeah, but that was it. I, I I truly believe we know we 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 actually the build up the occasion maybe took its toll on us. Right. To be honest with you, um, do you think that can be mentally kind of exhausting? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But and you you also said about the game because it obviously it finished four four, and I think I think I'm right in saying Sunderland went two one ahead, mm -hmm. and then they kept pegging you back. Mm -hmm. And you said I've I've seen a bit of footage of you where you say every time we got our, our nose in front and we thought right we just got to keep them out now they kept coming you thought you'd finished them but they kept coming yeah. back and kept coming back yeah. and that must have been pretty like mentally tough to deal with that well, it was a nightmare um, it was a hot day as well wasn't it but it was a hot day and our our kits that day I don't know where they came from we had this gold kit but it was double layered Right. So you could actually turn it inside out and use it. And I can't remember what the colour was on the inside. So it was twice was as hot as it would have been. Yeah, it was really heavy. So you can imagine, I mean, me, it, was, it was double my weight <laughs> yeah. trying to run up and down the wing. But yeah, it was, it was 120 degrees it was pitch side that day. Do you still, do you think sincerely that that kit had an effect on it? Um, 
Well, I can't say that, can I? Because I think it's went down as one of the best games ever to be played at the old Wembley. Yeah. You know, I must admit at the end of the game, I know I was out on my feet and I think yeah. a lot of the other players were as well. But you'd expect that anywhere of such a yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You know, obviously going into extra time and stuff like that. Mm. But the, the way the game panned out, and I think you've you've explained it pretty well, you know, the way the, way the games, the goals went in. Um, even when Nicky Summerby, I mean, Nicky Summerby scored in, um, I think it was out of time, Nicky's won. And that made it 4-3. Mm. then again we're like that's it we've mm. done it all we have to do now is just keep them out mm. you know you, you get the goal before 90 minutes we think right okay that's the winner mm. then they get an equaliser I mean Clyburn Donker just had the game of his life yeah. didn't he I mean it was yeah. just incredible a couple, but... couple of those goals in particular were unreal some of his his first touches on two of the goals the, the hat-trick one where the ball comes across and he kills it dead and spins yeah. that was a ridiculous amazing. goal amazing yeah. because we're thinking right he's going to shoot now and then he flicks it again and then he sticks it in the bottom corner yeah. and I was like Every time this guy has a shot, yeah. it's going in the back of the net. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just—it was one of them days. From I mean, he probably his best ever game that he's ever played. Yeah, but um, yeah. So extra time comes, and then again we both score. I mean, Richard Rufus' first ever goal for Charlton. You know, mm. Lionel Perez, who was known for you know coming off his line, he just got absolutely nowhere near it. Should have stayed on his line, and it's thank you very much to catch it. And then what did you make of him as a keeper anyway? <laughs> well, he should have used his goalie gloves on his feet. <laughs> he was better with his feet than his hands. Okay. But were the, some of the players not having him then? Oh, no, I, we, we didn't have him. We knew no, that okay. there was a mistake in him. I mean, okay. he pulled off some incredible saves in certain games, no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, he's very athletic. But I think um, for someone to rely on every week, every week consistently, yeah. he, he wasn't the answer for us. No, okay. Yeah, absolutely not. So, um, it, go, so it goes to penalties. Mm. And um, give us a flavour of what the, what the sort of group's like. What the, what's the atmosphere like when you know this is going to happen? Because... I've heard players in the past say, no, I just don't want I just don't want it to be me. I, I don't want it to be yeah. me to 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 let it down. And and is there a difference between certain types of players, the ones who like yourself who will come onto in a minute will step up and, and take responsibility? Is there a is there a line to be drawn between those types of players, do you think? Or is it just who feels better on the day? Well, I don't know about responsibility for me, but I'll get to that in a sec. But yeah. um I think what what basically what happens is obviously at the end of the game, I mean we've got Kevin Phillips who's been taken off. We've got mm. Lee Clark. Who's been taken off? Mm. Um, I think Darren Holloway was the other one who got took off and Chris Macon came on for him. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, you're looking around, you you get it yourself into a huddle and I think Peter Reid's obviously got us around and said, how would you feel and everything? How are you feeling? Have you got any energy left and everything? Do you want to take a penalty? Well, my background, being from Sunderland, being a local boy, mm. you know, I'd been there for a long time, you know, up, to, up until that point. Um, did I want to take one? Absolutely not. You know, he said, do you want to take a penalty? And I'd, uh, Are you scared to say no? No, no, no. I said no. Okay. I said no. I didn't want to take one. Mm. Um, we t- we'd taken them in training two or three days before at the Stadium of Light, and I was putting them in the top corner, the right-hand, top left-hand mm. corner, bottom corner. Hardly missed, if I missed at all. Mm. And I remember Peter Reid come up to me. He, he walked up as I was going to the penalty spot, and he went, he said, it's easy now, isn't it? I went, it's a piece of cake, Gaffy. He went, mm. he said, you wait till there's 80,000 people in this stadium. He said, let's see how you feel then. Mm. And it stuck with me. Mm. And I was like, right, okay. Yeah. And I got into the stadium and it was it was that feeling, you know, because yeah. you can't, you're not just looking in a certain area, the manager's talking to you, but you're having a look around, see what's yeah, going sure. on. Sure. And it was like, there's, there actually is 80,000 people or more in this stadium. Mm. I've got to pick that ball up and walk to the penalty spot. Do I want to do it? No. How did it come from you saying no to, I know it went to sudden death and then someone, a sixth player had to step up and take it. How did it go? How did it fall upon you? Because you've made a comment I've seen saying, um, that Danny Dicchio was there mm. and he's a striker mm. but he had taken his boots off mm. 
Uh, how did how did you, how did you feel about that then? How do you feel about that now? Well, look, I've, I mean, the first five penalties that we named them. I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, Alex Ray, Niall Quinn, um, Nicky Summerby, Chris Macon, mm. and Kevin Ball. I think that was our five. Right. And then it was Niall Quinn. Mm. So Niall Quinn was. So he wasn't in the original five. No, exactly. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Niall is, it was in the centre circle and went right, lads. Anybody want to take one? And we're like, no, mm. don't really want to take one because you think you're going to be over after five. Mm. That that's the mindset. Mm. Just please get it over with. Mm. Win or lose after five. Mm. So they get to six and, and Quinny's there and, and Quinny's went right. Okay, so he's he's went up to the the penalty spot. He's took his penalty. He stuck it away. Then Charlton have done exactly the same. Well, they went before us. I can't remember how it worked. I think obviously they were a leading all the time, weren't they? Yeah, they were first. I think. Yeah, yeah. and then I, I've looked around because. And you're right to mention that. You know, Danny Dicchio, he was in the centre circle and it, there was him, I think it was Jordy Craddock and Darren Williams. Alan Johnston took the other one for you, wasn't it? Yeah, that's yes. right. Alan yeah. Johnston yeah. took that's another right. one. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking around thinking, right, who's left? Hmm. So I turned around and I said, right, Deech, centre forward. I said, go on. I said, I'll go after you. He was like, well, I can't use the words on here, but it was like, absolutely no chance. And he turned around, he sat down and his boots were alongside him. He had them off his feet. What do you think about that now? Well, if I tell you that, we had a pre-season game and we went back after that season and it was in uh, Le, Le, Le Tournoir, I think we were. Le 2K, that's where we were, Le right. 2K. Okay. First game we played, it was a, like a, a little group thing we were playing in. The first right. game we played and we drew nil-nil. Uh, 89th minute, we got a penalty and he took it. Pre-season, he likes it? Yeah. Okay. And, we, and he scored it and we won 1-0. Right. So it's, it's about the moment. I mean, I don't... I don't I'm not criticising him here, you know, yeah. by the way. You don't, you don't just... have any ill feeling about no, towards absolutely him now, not. No, no. Deech is a great lad. I love him a bit. Right. Um, and he's, I think he's living in Toronto now. He's been coaching and everything over there. But um, yeah, he's a great lad. It's just, it's the moment. Look, he's younger than I was. Mm. Darren Williams and Jordy Craddock are younger than me. Mm. And that was pretty much what was left, other mm. than the goalkeeper. Mm. So I was like, all right, okay, it's my turn. Mm. So then you've got, your mindset changes pretty quick. How do you feel walking up? Uh, longest walk of your life. Yeah. Is it you? Are you aware of the moment, or are you on autopilot? Oh, yeah. Or no, it's you, you. You're wary of it. I mean, you try yeah. and block everything out. I mean, I must admit, I think it was a silent walk, although it wasn't. Mm. But you try and get down to it um, as quick as you possibly can. You're thinking, right, okay, do I need to walk? Do I need a jog, etc. I'll just do it my own way. And as you're going up to the penalty spot, you kind of choose and where you're going to put the ball. The ones that you're taking in training, the one that you think you feel most comfortable with. And then you see, I got there, I put the ball in the penalty spot, and I seen Sasha. Um, who's a big lad and then it's decision time I've made my mind up and I've stepped back from it and then it's just basically running to the ball and thinking right just please let this go in the back of the net did you execute it as you wanted to no it was awful my penalty it. was crap yeah you scuffed it it was I mean, not, not so much scuffed it I just didn't get as much pace on it as I thought I wanted to because you were tired or because of nervous? Might have or... been a little bit of that, a little bit of nerves of thinking just don't miss the target were you not tempted to smash it as hard as you could yeah I was Um but I th- I'm kind of a confident person. Once I'd made my mind up, I wasn't going to change it. Right. But as I was running up and I took the shot, I knew where I was going to. And as soon as you've hit the ball, you know, first initial thought is, is it on target? Mm. Second is, where's the keeper? And I seen Sasha jumping across to his left-hand side and I knew he hadn't made great con- contact with it. And from that moment, I-, I knew he'd saved it. You know, what I said before, you know, it wasn't a brilliant penalty. And I seen him jumping across to his left-hand side and it was like, Oh no! It's so cruel because it's it's finished there and then because it's sudden death. You're a local kid. It meant obviously. I would. Say, I mean, you're obviously going to humbly say it means a lot to everyone, of course. But it probably meant more to you than most. 
Mm. And then you must have, I mean, it just must, it's, it doesn't really, it's difficult to explain how you must have felt in that, in that sort of moment. Cause you must've felt yeah. the loneliest person in the world at that point. But nobody can get you ready for it. No. You know, you can take a hundred penalties in, in training or you can go to a stadium, an empty stadium and take a hundred penalties. If you like, nobody can get you ready for that moment. Mm. Uh, and as I said before, you know, we didn't have, um, shrinks if you want to call them that mm, or mm. you know anybody mm. like that to... yeah no support well, you, exactly. you've, you've actually said um, it's a quote here straight after the match they were singing my name and as I was walking down the tunnel I could hear my name being sung which gave me a real lift mm. when I got back to pre-season training there was a sack full of mail waiting for me just saying how they would have had, hated to be in that situation and praising the fact that I was brave enough to step up and take it yeah so the fans were amazing to fans you. were absolutely incredible um, as I was walking off um, obviously the Wembley turf uh, and going down the tunnel were you in tears I, th- I was in the dressing room hmm. a little bit. It was head down first. Did and the players come around you? Tears. There was a few of the other players. You know, and it wasn't just me. Hmm. Um, but it, again, you know, it's, it's, it's silence. Hmm. Honestly, I'm, the amount of players would probably tell you that, you know, and have had a disappointment when you go in a dressing room. Nobody really wants to say anything. You know, you're waiting for your coach or somebody like that. And Bobby Saxton, we had as a coach for a long, long time, who was absolutely top draw. Brilliant fun. But, you know, when it was serious business come around, you know, he knew his stuff. Really experienced guy. And then obviously Peter Reid alongside him, Adrian Heath, people like that. Paul Bracewell, who was in charge or was involved, should I say. Um, so you're just waiting. And then the first few words come out of probably the managers, you know, again, the same thing. Look, so proud of you. You know, I'm absolutely gutted that I'm not being able to do it. But, you know, there's always next season. And it was Niall Quinn after that. He, he basically stood up and just went, listen, guys, next season, we're going to take this league by storm. We all stay together. We're going to take this league by storm. Which, of course, you did. Mm. But did you feel responsible solely in that moment? Yeah, yeah I did. And no, there was no talking to you? No, I was I was pretty silent. I mean, and again, you know, on the way home, we'd organised a celebratory party right. halfway back um, <laughs> right. with, with the supporters, the, the obviously the, the wives, the girlfriends and the kids and everything were on the coaches behind us. So we did, was we stopped off. We got off. Um, same thing, sat down, had a couple of beers and then it was like, right, just get me back on the coach. Mm. Got back on the coach and I was silent. Um, but that that wasn't a nice feeling. But do you think, it, looking back on it now, because obviously Sunderland went on the, the following season to get over 100 points and, and storm the division as Niall Quinn said you would. Mm. Do you think it gave you a lot of fuel, a lot of drive to... to, yeah. to yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean... Um, since, it's just a making of you, really. Yeah, without a doubt. Mm. Oh, without a doubt. And I, I always pinpoint one part of my career where I think, right, what kick-started me? So you wouldn't change it? <laughs> well, because you, you ended up playing for England. Would you, yeah, you know? I suppose so. Um, thinking of it like that. It's easy for me to say. I know. <laughs> but the, the, the good thing about it, and this is where I think, this is where I talk about great managers when mm. you've worked for one. So the season finished, I went home, closed the doors. Um, Peter Reid phoned me up. He went, he said, what are you doing? I said, not a lot. He said, right, you're coming to stay with me for a couple of days. Did he? Yeah. So I went and stayed with Peter Reid for a couple of days. Then... Um, about a day after that, I went to, on holiday to Ayanapa, which mm. I don't know if you know this story, but system. when I got there, yeah, the yeah. first person I bumped into in the first pub that I walked in was Clyde Mendonca. <laughs> Seriously. What did he say? Um, he was at the back and I, I remember seeing him, he was sat with his wife and I walked up to the back of the, the pub um, in Ayanapa because we were still young lads then and yeah, a few yeah. of us had went away and I just went, I don't believe this. Yeah. You know, it was like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And then it was like, look, Fair play to you. You were absolutely different class. Yeah. Like, sat down, he bought me a beer or I bought him a beer, whichever way it was. 
and then just went. I said, right, good luck to you next season. Right, you've done absolutely brilliant. I hope you enjoy the Premier League. And he was like, right, good luck because he's a Sunderland lad. He said, I yeah. really want you to come up and have the next season. But in all the bars and all the world, Mickey. Oh, I could honestly. It was. It There's was people taking the piss out of you. And I, and I was like, wow, is yeah. this is this actually happening? <laughs> Someone just planted in there. Yeah. It was crazy. It was. Um, yeah. And and for the rest of the holiday, I don't actually think I saw him. It mm. was just the first day mm. we went in this place, and I was like. This, this is not right. It's crazy. <laughs> it's not, it, was, it was either going to be him or Sasha, really. Yeah. Who would you have preferred? <laughs> well, probably Clive. Too, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but, um, Sasha's a big lad, so yeah, I think I might have had a pint with him and then ran away. But but the following season, you you obviously played so well that um, you were you were called out for England. Yeah, playing in the championship. And that's, and that's an Phillips. amazing achievement, that. Yeah, well, I mean, you talk about the, the goals that Kevin got. I mean, we knew Kevin was special. Yeah. Um, not at the time when he when he joined the club, you know, I think he, he had to answer a lot to the players that were around him to show how good he was, mm. but it, it didn't take him long. And what, uh, what do you remember? Because it would have been Kevin Keegan as a manager at the time, right? Yeah. So what do you remember the call? Did you just get a phone call at home? I did, yeah. Um, was, it, was, it, was, it, was there talk about it in the press beforehand? Were you expecting it or was it completely out of the blue? I think there was more talk about Kevin. Kevin yeah. Phillips, to be honest with you. Well, he's um, getting the goals. He's the eye-catching absolutely. player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I pretty much, I think I got the, the phone call the same day as Kevin. And rang him up when I went. I said, have you just had that call? He went, yeah. He said, are you in the squad? I went, I said, yeah. And he, they announced it and everything. Kevin Keegan come on the phone. It was like, hi, Mickey, it's Kevin. Kevin Keegan. Yeah. Um, listen, congratulations. We'd just like to let you know that you've, you're a part of the next squad. And I'm like, is this one of my mates? Is this one of my mates? So it was, yeah. no, no. It's the, and then the more I heard his voice, I was like, oh, Kevin, I'm really sorry. Absolutely fantastic. You know, it's mm. like dream come true and everything. Mm. I just, I had to make sure you weren't one of my friends winding <laughs> yeah. me up. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, it's definitely me. Make sure you're all prepared. Get yourself ready. Get your boots and everything. Come and join us. You deserve to be there. You and Kevin have had a fantastic season. Come in. You're part of the squad. Mm. Make sure you're part of this big squad of Premier League players. Just because you're playing the championship, don't think you don't deserve your place. Right. So that was like, a weight off the shoulders straight away. Kevin Kevin Keegan was brilliant. Have you been? Have you been at that point? Had you been linked to Premier League clubs in transfer terms, and you just decided not to go because you love Sunderland, or what was the situation? Bits and bobs in papers. Yeah, but, okay. Um, I didn't really buy into that. Right. Okay. In them days, to be honest with you, okay. Right. I was so focused on getting Sunderland in the Premier League. What was it like being a Championship player in that squad of England players at that time? Um, strange. Right. Because you'd probably played against four or five of them in FA Cup games or League Cup games. Hmm. But to to go in was was pretty weird. What were they like to you? Most of them were all right. Okay. There was others that weren't. You know, there was four or five tables with everybody on it. You know, some of them were players on, and there was another one in the corner with staff. You must have known Beckham would have been in there, right? Yeah, Beckham so scores. You, you, he was in there. Yeah. You, so you knew those guys. I knew from them before. a little bit, but the Man United players didn't really get involved. They right. come in, they'd sit on their own table all together, have their right. food, and then they were off back in the rooms. Really, okay. never mingled with the rest of them. I don't know if that was subconscious or I don't think that was the manager saying to them, right. don't mingle with any other players. Really? Yeah, because they were winning everything at the time, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But then we had Alan Shearer, we had Gareth Southgate, we had... Um, well, they would have just won the treble, wouldn't they? That, yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. And then they had, um, you know, David Seaman was there. I think David James was actually there. Nigel Martin. Mm. You know, people like that. And they were great. You know, me and Kevin obviously you know, followed him around and he did exactly the same thing with me. You know, we, we, we ate together when he got up to have something to eat. I went, when he went to the toilet, I went to the toilet. So know, there was, was no like mingling, that. intermingling at all in that, at that point? Just a hiya lads, how are you doing? Listen, congratulations for getting me in the squad. Jamie, Jamie Redknapp was really good as well. I remember Jamie being really good. Um, yeah. But then, 
we played Hungary and then we went to Bulgaria. Yeah. And I think Kevin got injured after the Hungary game. Kevin Phillips got injured. So I think he had to go home. Right. And um, we played against Bulgaria, so I'm there on my own then. Right. I'm in my room. And I'm like, oh, crikey, what's going on here? Um, no, no one really took you under their wing or anything like that. Well, yeah, I know you don't want to speak ill of anyone. You don't have to name names. No, but no, just, no. Uh, there was there were certain ones that made it. I, I wouldn't say difficult. You just didn't go out the way to make you welcome. You had to go and approach them. Right. When they were probably experienced players in that squad. Yeah. You would think they would come across to you. Yeah. You know, first first initial time in the squad, it's like, oh no, hmm. right, really nervous. Second time you're in there, right? Which we'd stayed away because we'd we'd done the two games. That was um, that was really really nervy, mm. um, but I'd say most of them most of them were brilliant. And, and Kevin Keegan and Arthur Cox and Dave uh, Derek Fasakli and the coaching staff, Ray Clements was there as well. I mean, they, they were brilliant. So we we sometimes on on this show have a little bit of a laugh about Kevin Keegan because he comes across as quite sort of clumsy and a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But you, but you say he was great to play for. Amazing. Yeah. I mean. He was a great player, of course. I wasn't thinking about tactics at the time, okay? And I know people have said in the past, you know, he tactically wasn't as good as some of the managers right now. Yeah. I'm talking about Kevin Keegan as a man and as a person mm. and what he did for me. Mm. He was incredible. Right. Just made me feel so comfortable. Took me out of the five-a-side training sessions, which he used to do with a lot of players, and then bring you out and do one touch and two touch and everything, and then put you back into the five-a-sides. And then he told me uh, the game I started, uh, the Bulgaria game, he went, he said, right, you're starting, you're playing. Have it in your head. A day before, you know you're playing. Who was the other left back in the squad at that point? Uh, there was Graham Lassau. Yeah. Phil uh, Neville? Phil Neville, I think, might have been the squad. And uh, But we travelled, I think we travelled away with the under-21. So there were people like Danny Mills who were in. I think he got actually drafted into it. Um, yeah. Stuart Pierce, I think, got drafted in to one of them because there was injuries and suspensions, right, okay. et cetera. Uh, we had Sol Campbell, who played as a left-sided centre-back centre back when we played Bulgaria. I actually played as a wing-back. Yeah. Um what did it feel Which like to play I've for I've never England? done it before. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's funny because I think maybe some people listening will think, well, how much can you really learn about at that point in terms of doing one touch and two touch when you're already playing for the England senior team? Mm. But that's still a big part of it. And you, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was what Kevin used to do. I mean, he used to obviously pull all the players out and then shooting at the end of training, all the centre forwards. Only centre forwards are having shots and then Scolzi would just turn it. we go, right, okay. Okay. Go okay. Right, Mickey, okay. can you go on the left-hand side? I can't remember who was out on the right-hand side. Um, Gary Neville probably. probably. Oh, David Beckham. Oh, yeah, Beckham. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. like on the byline, pinging balls back to the edge of the D on the 18-yard box and they're all just volleying them into the top corners, etc. What was the stand of the training like? Oh, scary. Was it? Yeah. I mean, the quality was just brilliant. Right. You know, I was like, right, well, this is it. Right. This is as good as it's going to get. Don't get better than that, yeah. No, I mean, Shearer, Scholes, Beckham, you know, Sheringham, Heskey, uh, Robbie Fowler. So not good players back then, eh? Jonathan Woodgate had just got into the squad as well. Yeah. I think he'd made his debut in that uh, Hungary game as well. Uh, David Batty. Hmm. Um, the list goes on. You know, hmm. Seaman, I was talking about. Sol Campbell. Yeah. Tony Adams. Martin yeah. Keown. You know, it's not bad, is it? No. You know, we think about you know, Alan Shearer. I don't even know if I mentioned him. Yeah, but, like yeah. it was, it was a, a top quality squad of players. And what did it feel like to earn your first cap? That that's that's up there with like I said before, making your debut. Yeah. You know, depending if somebody asks you what you want to do as a youngster, you go right. I want to play. I want to play professional football, but I want to play for England or whichever yeah. country you're involved in. But I would that that would be it. Making your debut for me, hmm. and then I think scoring a goal in England. They're the, they're the three things for me. And then after that, you go, right, a trophy here, a trophy there, a promotion, etc. Mm. 
they will come after that for me. But I think as an individual, the selfishness would say, obviously make your debut, score on a goal, and then, you know, <laughs> it's just that way. That's the way that you think. How, how do you... For your country. Three kits. So you got three caps. I think I was at the Sweden game, the nil-nil. Did Paul Scholes get sent so off? Oh, he got sent off. Yeah, I was yeah. at that game. So I I came on again at half time. Yeah. It quite happened a few times that me, to be honest with you. But Graham Desaud went off. I think he'd had a thigh problem. So you look around the squad and you're thinking, right, okay, who can play left back? You know, is it going to be me or is he going to change the system and play with a wing back? If he's going to do that, I don't think it's going to be me who's playing. But straight away it was like, right, Mickey, you're gone. You're on. Are you what ready? Was, and what do you feel like your level was compared to Graham Desaud? Well, you always aspire to someone. I mean, Graham, you know, was an established player then. Hmm. Now, I don't know how many caps he had at the time, but the, when I watched the games on TV, he was playing, it was yeah. always Graham Lasso. Yeah. It was Stuart Pearce and then it was Graham Lasso. And then I think from that moment, you know, that was it. Hmm. You know, odd ones here and there might have, you know, came into the squad, but that was it. I'd got into the squad. So it was like, if I'm going to be a first team regular, I've got to be as good as Graham Lasso and I've got to be as good as Stuart Pearce. Hmm. But it was probably more so Lasso at the time. And then you think to yourself in training, have I done better than him? You know, that's how competitive it was. You know, sure. he's obviously playing different sides. And I'm watching what he's doing. I'm going, right, okay, I need to do something good because he's just done something good. But the reason I ask is because when I interviewed Jamie Carragher for this, he said it got to the point where he would say, right, John Terry and Ray Ferdinand, they're better than me. Mm. And I know they're better than me, but I'll settle for being the third best centre-back in England. Did you ever think like that? Or was that not part of your makeup? No, no, I think when you're in that squad, I think you're there to play. Yeah, I mean, look, them guys. Now, what can I say about their careers? Absolutely nothing, you mm. know. I'm phenomenal, but um, I'm looking at Graham Lassau when I got in that squad, thinking, right, I want to, I want that spot. I want number three. Mm. That's where I want to play. I'm, I don't want to sit and watch. Mm. And that's what it's all about. That competitive edge inside you, that greed of wanting to play for your country and wanting to play there every single time that the squad gets named. Do you think that if you played for a more fashionable club, you'd have more than three caps? Maybe. Um, you know, I think after playing for England, I knew that there was other people who were on the phone, giving giving phone calls then different clubs. Yeah. Um, Would you have gone? I had the opportunity to go to them, but then you get offered a, 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 a new contract at the club that you're at. Mm. You're settled. You've got a family, your kids, and everything are there. Do you want to move at the time? And it was all them things that go through your mind. And I just thought, no, I'm happy with the contract that I'm signing. I want to stay where I am. If I'm good enough, I'll still get in the squad. Mm. And but- you have a dip in form, you don't get in it. Yeah. And then you think, right, have I made the, have I made the right decision here? And so you don't, there's no, when you look back on your, your international career, there's no kind of unfinished business resentment. You just think it is what it is. And I, I played for England and that's great. <laughs> no, I think I'd like to play more. Hmm. You know, I think once you've been involved in it and you, you've had a little taste of what it's like and, you know, what it means to the whole country, you hmm. obviously want to play more. Hmm. Um, but just to make one would have been special. But to have three is... It's pretty darn good. But we played a game at the Stadium of Light when we were travelling around the, the country playing sure. different grounds. And um, I was obviously in the squad. We'd stayed in um, in a hotel in Newcastle. We travelled down to the game and Kevin actually mentioned, he named the squad when we got into the dressing room and the subs. Mm. And I wasn't even on the bench. Right. He, Steve Guppy, I think, made his debut as a left wing back. I don't know if you remember the game at Stadium Light. Jamie Redknapp scored an absolute scream. Yeah, I played yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, no, I wasn't even on the bench. Right. That that was gutting. That that hurt. I bet. Yeah. You think he would have given you five minutes? Yeah. Well, like, you know, not even to put me on the bench. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was. Yeah, I, I just thought, you know, you're traveling around the country. You've got two players here who play for Sunderland. Hmm. I've got the chance for you to put me on the bench. I mean, it was six, seven, eight substitutes at sure. the time as well. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even get uh, on the bench. I was Do you like, think he, he wouldn't have done that on purpose, though? N- <laughs> no, no, no. 
And like I said to you before, you know, Kevin was wonderful me. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, 100% yeah. top guy. Mm. Uh, whether he thought that, you know, I hadn't been good in training or my form wasn't good getting called up to the England squad or whatever mm. it may be, um, he just went with his gut feeling. And that sometimes you've got to ac- accept. He can't keep everyone happy, can he, all the well, time? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been nice. Did you, do you think, do you look back on your career and, and think of anything that could have been different or any, I mean, you're just very happy with what you achieved? Did you, do you think you achieved everything you thought was possible when you were a kid? for your ability and for your talent. Yeah, I think you always say to yourself when you finish, could I have done more? Hmm. Yeah, there's always that in, in the back of your mind. Um, you know, maybe not for the, you know, the top class players who go on and win 14 trophies and yeah. European trophies and everything. But I think when you've only won the championship a couple of times and you finished seventh back-to-back in the Premier League, and I think we did that with Blackburn, I think we have finished sixth or seventh. You always think to yourself, you know, could I have done more? What What did I do wrong? Mm. that I would change. Mm. But did I have a great time doing it? 100%. Mm. And when you when you um, stepped down level as you got a bit older, did you enjoy it less because it wasn't as intense and you weren't playing with as good players? Uh, yeah, I think that my age was 33. Mm. 33 when I went to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, great club. Mm. Absolutely loved it and had a really good rapport with the supporters. Well, um, training, training sessions, the levels, um, the commitment of the players what I seen them get up to mm. was just completely not what I was about. Right. And I went into training to, to work hard mm. every day of the week mm. and then give everything I had on a match day, whether, you know, the sports thought I had a good game or a bad game, I'd come off absolutely shattered because mm. I knew I'd given everything. Um, and I went to Sheffield Wednesday and it was, I could switch off. I could easily switch off because I seen other players doing it. still be good enough. Well, yeah, you knew you were one of the better players. You yeah. know, I was 33, 34 at the time. Um, but, I just seen the attitude of players mm. and the dip from what I'd what I'd been through through my career, you know, at Sunderland for many years and then Blackburn, Celtic and Leeds United and Wolves even with Mick McCarthy. Mm. The the training sessions were just absolutely top draw. Mm. And then I went down to Sheffield Wednesday. It was it was nothing to do with the managers that I was under. It was just the, just atti- the atti- attitude of the players, yeah. Can I ask you a quick question before you go? You a, can a cheeky one. Is it true you turned up to training in a Ferrari and were fined by Mick McCarthy for doing it? <laughs> I did turn up in the Ferrari. Yeah. Fined, no. Okay. Um, the problem with that story is uh, people obviously, you know, they add things on the bill bits and you know, <laughs> yeah. make, make it into a book if you like. Yeah. I'd ordered that car three months okay. prior. Have you still got it? No, 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 you're joking. You're crowbar to get me out of one of them now. But I'd ordered it three months before. Okay. Now you can imagine a lad from Castletown, like I was, yeah. you know, I'd had absolutely nothing. Mm. My dream car turns up three months after I'd ordered it. Mm. I'm going to leave it outside my house and go to the training ground. Mm. It was never, ever going to happen. So I pulled into the training ground. When I pulled into the training ground, we had a meeting upstairs and the meeting was 90 people have just lost their jobs at the football club. Right. So I find it out when I'm in the training ground. So my yeah. car's already there. You didn't know that in advance. No. Yeah. So Mick McCarthy then said to me, he said, look, do you mind driving at home? And I went, not a problem. Yeah. Not a problem. Yeah. So I took it home yeah. and I came back and got on with training. But no some, fines, nothing. But the papers picked up on that and said, oh yeah. And I know exactly who it was, but um, if I ever do a book, okay, right. I'll bring out the full we'll watch story. Watch this space. I oh, can I ask you one more quick question as well before you go. <laughs> Did you have a fist fight with Wayne Rooney? 
Well, I didn't really have a fist fight, no, but he uh, he thumped me on a night out once, yeah. yeah. You can ask me what you like, Luke. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't mind. I'm just interested because you told me a story once where you said the newspapers got a hold of that and they photoshopped you a black eye. Oh, no, they, they, they did colour To it. make it look better. It was actually on Match of the Day and, and even on there, they'd made my eye look completely blacked out. Yeah, but it was just uh, a little it quick, it was a quick sort of scuffle. It was one it was, punch. Yeah. It was one punch in a, in a club that we all used to go to, you know, Manchester, Blackburn, yeah. Man City players, you know, whoever yeah. played around that area. And we went to this club one night and we had a bit of a fracas and uh, Wayne had punched me once and that was it. The doorman came in, I left, I think he left as well and that was the taxi. Next, do- next day, there was about 15 uh, paparazzi outside of the, the big bush outside of my house. How do they even hear about it? Oh, well, barman or something like that. Talking who knows? About it. Yeah. Who knows? The, the club itself. And then the, the the same day, I drove down the training ground again. There was another fifteen or twenty. The press were there. The papers, Sky mm. were there. Finally. I just kept my head down. Drove into the training ground with sunglasses on and a cap. Started training, so I had nothing from that. And then it was match of the day on that Saturday. We played Sheffield United, and I was standing on the the, the touchline. A big camera must have zoomed in on me. Yeah, and they just coloured my eye in. But he, he did punch me, but I yeah. didn't have a black eye. No, okay. You've been very generous with your time, Mickey. Thank Pleasure, you so mate. much. It's been great to hear about your career, and I think hopefully people listening would have enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Could have been here for hours, mate. Love that. We, we kind of were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I know you've got to get up and do I'm stuff. I'm going to kick up the backside um, And uh, yeah, all the very <laughs> best, mate, and, and we'll catch up again soon, I'm sure. Top man. Cheers, Mickey. Thanks, Thanks pal. This was a Radio Stakhanov production. Ever catch yourself eating the same three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.